Welcome to a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Lauren Evans. And I'm Virginia Allen. Welcome to 2022. This is our first show of the new year. (laughs) It's so exciting. We are so excited to have Michelle Cordero, our friend and colleague, joining us once again on the show. Hey, everybody. Yay. (laughs) Michelle, it's so great to have you here to kick off the new year with us. Of course, we've all just gotten back from Christmas and New Year's and all of the excitement with that, look, there's there's so many different emotions around the holidays. Like, there's mm-hmm. all this excitement, but also, like, stakes are high. There's crazy expectation. Did Christmas live up to the expectation? So I'm more of a Christmas Eve person. Okay. Mm-hmm. I prefer Christmas Eve to Christmas Day. Christmas Day, I feel like it's this huge buildup, and then it's over, and then, like, you're like, when do I take the Christmas tree? <laughs> <laughs> but um, for me, sadly, this was not my best Christmas. Oh, my no. kids would say otherwise. They had a great time. They That's got good. everything that they wanted. Aww. It was epic. But I did have COVID on <gasps> Christmas. No! Stop it. Did you, I like, did. come down with symptoms on Christmas? No, it <sighs> – the worst of my symptoms were Chris, was Christmas morning. I took a nap after the kids opened their presents. I was like, I'm going to head back up and just sleep it off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really, I started feeling better the day after. Um, but oh, so it was like, it was like a couple days before Christmas, maybe a little bit mm-hmm. before that that I got it. Oh, so yeah. many people, so many, like, yeah. oh, yeah. literally everybody, COVID. I feel like got COVID. Yeah, yes. and for so many of them, it totally ruined their Christmas plans. I felt so bad for friends that couldn't go home to be with family. Like as a single person, that's hard yeah. if you get stuck, you know, in your apartment. Because what do you do? You're just yeah. like, Merry Christmas. Here's my <laughs> city. And like, as much as you tell yourself, like, it's no big deal. It's Christmas. It comes once a year. I, I may be by myself, but. It's hard. Yeah, it, it really is. does stink to spend Christmas by yourself. It really does. If any of you out there listening had your Christmas plans interrupted by COVID, we want to hear your stories. So hit us up on Instagram. Wow. Okay. I can't wait for the Lifetime movies in the future to come out. Like a very COVID <laughs> right? Christmas. Seriously. Virginia will definitely watch I'll that watch one. that movie. That's going to be hilarious. <laughs> All right. We have a great show planned for today. Lauren, what do we have queued up? Up on today's Problematic Women, we talk about the latest COVID hypocrisy from the left and Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's response to criticism she received for vacationing in Florida. Plus... Has social media changed the rules for how the media treats politicians' kids? And as always, we'll be crowning our Problematic Woman of the Week. Each week on Problematic Women, we sort through the news to find stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women, those whose views and opinions are often excluded by those on the so-called feminist left. If you are a problematic woman or just someone who supports strong, independent women, please consider supporting us by leaving a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It really does make a difference. All right, let's get to it. We are kicking off the new year with a little hypocrisy from the left. (laughs) So uh, over the Christmas holiday, New York Democrat Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez traveled down to Florida, to South Florida. AOC was spotted sitting outside a restaurant with her boyfriend in Miami Beach, as reported by National Review. Then just a few days later, she was filmed maskless at a drag bar in Miami, Florida. 
Florida Voice News founder Brendan Leslie first reported the video in a tweet. He wrote, quote, for those of you with zero sense of humor, the whole point of this post is to expose hypocrisy. We don't actually care she's maskless. We care she fear mongers about Florida, but then has the audacity to vacation here. So I think Leslie hits the nail on the head because absolutely right. I could care less whether AOC is is massless in Florida if she wants to travel to the beach. That's great. Go on vacation. Have a break. But the fascinating thing is that she has been so critical of, of states like Florida and governors like Ron DeSantis who have chosen not to implement these really draconian COVID rules and uh, and policies, and yet she's going to go down and enjoy the freedom herself. How do you all think AOC can reason this out? I don't think she cares. <laughs> I mean, for me, yeah, she's a giant hypocrite. Um, and I, I don't think she cares. I think she thinks she can get away with um, her actions no matter what. And I think she thinks she can do that by responding the way that she did. And to me, that's where the main part of this story is, is that in the utter ridiculousness <laughs> of her responses. Like, first of all, to call out Governor DeSantis and say that he's been MIA when, like, I know that we know that Governor DeSantis's wife has cancer. And that was like my first instinct when she said he was missing was to assume he was with his sick wife. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, how can she not know that? Yeah. 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 I mean, if she probably does and just chose to ignore oh, it. Oh, and then her response was like, you just want to sleep with me. That's yeah. why you're calling me out. <laughs> yeah, that was insane. That was like, we're supposed to treat you like an equal when you're a woman, right? But then your defenses, whenever a man calls you out, is like, right. oh, he just wants to sleep with Like, Imagine if we said that every time someone criticized us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Lauren, you have that tweet, right? Can you read that? AOC tweeted, quote, if Republicans are mad, they can't date me. They can just say that instead of projecting their sexual frustrations onto my boyfriend's feet, you creepy weirdos. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, so for context, someone made a comment saying that uh, they, they talked about her boyfriend's sandals. They talked about they, her boyfriend's sandals. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of a funny, snarky comment. Yeah. Men should not wear sandals. That, that is a hill that I will die on. Maybe if you're wearing like flip-flops to the beach. I mean, I, I don't even wear sandals. So but continue. The fact that her response is, I mean, it, it's a total uh, just media strategy of I'm not oh, going to yeah. address the issue at all total at Total block and bridge. And of course, you criticizing my decisions just means that you actually want to date me. Yeah. Like, what the what? heck? Like, are we in kindergarten? <laughs> Very interesting form of logic she's using here. Well, and as someone who's spent Christmas in Florida, Florida's pretty much back to normal. It's awesome. It, life goes on as we eventually have to. And it makes sense. If you're in New York and there's all these mandates, you want to go down. You want to go to the beach where it's fun and there's lots of fresh air. But what's frustrating about this is is not only the hypocrisy, but the fact that she's not going to go back to New York and be like, hey, I went to Florida. Things are OK. Let's why don't we use restrictions here? Like she's just coming, enjoying it. And then she's going to go make it worse on her own constituents. But the data shows that people want to be in Florida. I mean, you look at the population growth. Florida's had a huge population growth over the past couple of years. And New York's had a huge decrease. So she can be hypocritical all she wants. But the data is on 
DeSantis's side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I thought DeSantis had had a funny response. He was like, "If I had a dollar for every politician that's tried to escape to Florida, it's like I would be a very wealthy man." <laughs> yeah. We've just seen this over and over and over. People are are going to states they're vacationing in states where they don't have to wear a mask outside, where they can go to restaurants and don't have to show a vaccine card. People want to be able to to, to live their lives in peace and freedom. And Florida's done Florida's done a good job. Well, and I think, of course, as we as we talk about all of this COVID craziness and reactions from the left, uh, we kind of have to talk about you know this larger situation with Omicron that's happening right now. You know, as as we just talked about, so many people have been getting sick, have been getting COVID, uh, but the good news within that is that it hasn't been as severe. We're seeing that those fatality rates are dropping and all of the data is pointing towards the fact that Omicron is much, much less lethal than previous variants of COVID. The Wall Street Journal reports that the, quote, true Omicron mortality is more likely around 0.2 percent, which is, quote, roughly in line with the seasonal flu. And still, the people least affected remain young people and those who are healthy. But we're seeing that some of America's most academically rigorous colleges and universities has implemented extreme policies, even when the data shows that when young people get sick, typically they get better. So there was a piece written by a doctor, Dr. Marty McCary of Johns Hopkins. He's a professor there. And he wrote a piece for Barry Weiss's Substack talking about the ways that uh, universities' COVID policies are really defying science and defying reasons. We gave quite a few examples, like at Georgetown University right here in D.C., they're testing students at random every week. And if you test positive, even if you're asymptomatic, you're sent to a building to quarantine for 10 days, even though the CDC now recommends that people only quarantine for five days. At Princeton University, students are not allowed to leave the country unless they're on a sports team and they're tested Twice a week, which frankly is a little concerning when we have such a shortage of tests and, you know, so many people like in our our elder population, they need to be testing regularly. uh, But all these tests are going to college students. And at Amherst College, students have to double mask if uh, if they don't have a CAN 95 mask to use. I mean, you can just go on and on and on with all of these higher level institutions that, you know, are supposed to be the ones on the cutting edge of the data and the science and the research. And they seem to be completely ignoring all of that just to be promoting and pushing these really draconian policies. And look, I mean, you know, COVID, it's not going away anytime soon. But I think that the good news is that, like we said, it's becoming much, much less lethal. So do you all think uh, that this could be potentially Fingers crossed. Could this be the last winter that we're having to deal with masks and all of this COVID craziness? Do you think we can actually say, yes, there's light at the end of the tunnel? I think so. I think so. I think that we're seeing the left sort of start to come around to a lot of the the theories that we had early on um, and that this variant is much more like the flu, and we're all going to sort of build up those natural immunities. That seems to be where we're trending. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really depends if we can, you know, if the left is willing to give up these draconian measures. Yeah. Because they're going to hold on to them tightly. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was chatting with uh, one of my friends over Christmas who's a nurse. She was like, actually, I think Omicron is a good thing because so many people are getting it. They're getting that natural immunity, but they're not getting so sick. They're not having to be hospitalized. Uh, And so hopefully we, we will see that continual decline. I think it matters what happens in 2022 at the, you know, this election cycle. If yeah. Democrats are going to try to use this as a, you know, a club to beat voters. Of, mm-hmm. The Republicans literally want you all to die of COVID and we want to protect you. But the, anybody looking at the past year since Biden's been in office, it, it's not possible for the government to protect us from a disease like the common cold, right? Exactly. And yeah. so, That's not their job. <laughs> exactly. So... I hope that this is the last winter. I really do. I'm just – I'm so over it. And then you get to a place and they're like, you need a mask and you don't have one on you and you're like trying to – and then you're that person who you don't really want to be wearing a mask, but they require it, but you don't have one. So you're like trying to like <laughs> use your sleeve. Like, <laughs> speaking of that, I couldn't help but think as I was reading this article about the colleges, um, one of the – person in the article mentioned that they can't they couldn't even um, study for finals without being yelled at for drinking water <laughs> and but I was just thinking you know college is one of those it's still a little clicky you know mm-hmm. and there are still you know um, kids who are idiots who say things that they don't they don't know what they're talking about mm-hmm. and it's just another way to divide people mm-hmm. and another yeah. you know I can't imagine what it must be like for people who don't want to wear a mask mm. and are just going to stand up for their their right to not do so and what it must be like for them to get heckled and yelled at all the time. Yeah. I on the plane on the way down to Florida, I had a, you know, Southwest gives out your diet coke. The flight attendant yelled at me for not putting the mask up between sips. <laughs> really? <laughs> like so I don't, but I'm, and to all these college kids, like you're right, Michelle. They're they're young. They, they try to create clicks. They're trying to fit in, but also their their brains are still developing. Can you imagine yes. how sad it yes. is if you are a perfectly healthy twenty year old person who is like concerned that they're going to die if they get COVID? Right. And as as a parent, right, I'm saving for my kid's college. I am sorry. I know how much Emerson costs. Mm. If my child was in locked in a building mm-hmm. in quarantine for 10 days, when I was paying, yeah. right, asymptomatic. I would lose my mind. Yeah. yeah. I'd yeah. lose it. It's totally ridiculous, these policies. College students, young people, they're, they're not getting super sick. They're not dying from this virus. No. And they need to get that natural immunity. It's really, really bizarre. I know we're talking about college kids, but I saw a headline this morning that students, elementary school students in Wisconsin were eating lunch outside today. Mm. Could you imagine? They said it was Wisconsin. 27 degrees outside oh today in Wisconsin. <laughs> Again, <sighs> wow. if that was my kid's school, I would lose my mind. And yeah. why aren't more parents losing their mind? I don't know. Like, Well, and, and apart, though, I, I think they are. And we've seen no. this. That's true. All these homeschoolers, I mean, that's going way, way up and good on parents. I mean, for the parents that can do it, like, that's great. If you have the ability to pull your kid out and have another option, good on you. And, of course, then that gets us into all the discussion about school choice and because parents need options and they they need that financial backing. They do because, you know, if if my kids were eating lunch outside today, I'd have to figure something out Mm -hmm. because I'm sorry. That's just that's not not okay. No. No. Because then they'll actually get a cold that's that's like actually dangerous to them. Well, and I think it's funny, too, in that article, she mentions that she is thinking about transferring to an SEC school. For those who don't know, that's the Southeastern Conference. Those are 
Southern schools. <laughs> Florida. Yeah. So right. she, she was admitting that she's willing to transfer from this, like, probably slightly more academically prestigious, definitely more expensive to a public school in the South. So I'm interested, these kind of hoity-toity liberal arts colleges have already been, like, losing students like crazy yeah. because kids don't want to take out huge loans. And so now that they're doing this, I'd be really interested next semester and next year to see there's going to be a lot of people dropping out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you don't want to pay all that money to have online classes to get quarantined for days at right. a time. Why, yeah. why go? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. When you go to yeah. UCF. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Lauren. UCF is not know, in the SEC, though. Lauren is a, an alumna of UCF. <laughs> All right. Well, stay tuned because up next we're going to talk about one of Lauren's uh, favorite topics, TikTok. (laughs) But first, I want to tell you all about one of my favorite ways to get the news and keep up with the issues that we all care about. If you're anything like me, you enjoy researching interesting topics on YouTube or simply just being entertained. But sometimes it's really hard to know what information is well-researched and trustworthy. And that's where the Daily Signals YouTube channel comes in. We are constantly posting new videos that are designed to keep you up to date on the news that you care about and give you the facts and data succinctly. The Daily Signal YouTube channel features policy explainer videos, documentaries, entertaining clips from podcast interviews, and so much more. So go ahead and subscribe to the Daily Signal YouTube channel today and stay informed and never miss out on the news that matters. So for those of you who don't know, Texas Republican Senator Ted Cruz has a daughter. She's 13 years old and, like me, a TikTok user. (laughs) Over the holidays, she posted a video on TikTok talking about what it's like to be a politician's kid. In the short video, she said, quote, a lot of people judge me based upon him, meaning Ted Cruz, at first glance, but I really disagree with most of his views. Well, the Dallas Morning News saw the story and ran with it. Cruz shot back immediately essentially telling the media to leave his 13-year-old daughter out of political debates. What do you guys think? I mean, she put the information out there. It's public on TikTok, so it is fair game. But should we look at politicians' kids and and push back on politicians for what their kids are saying? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think traditionally we have seen overall the news media is pretty respectful of the boundary lines that you don't – um, you don't target politicians' children. That's sort of um, – it's not classy. There's no taste there and there's a boundary line that you, know, you respect that privacy and these are young people that were not asked to be in the limelight but they're kind of cast into it. So you just don't talk about them. So I, I think the question is, OK, are, are, the rules, are the rules changing now with social media where we have you know young people like Cruz's daughter who posts something on TikTok? It, Previously was a public account. She's now made it private. Does that make it okay? I I would still say, you know, I guess technically it's like they can report on it. As a journalist myself, I think that's still um, – I, I would say that there's still a boundary line there. And I would say no. I think they definitely shouldn't be politicizing something that a 13-year-old says on our social media account. That's off bounds and uh, it's pretty tasteless. Well, and why should we care? She's 13. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you, you were talking about developing brains. Yeah. But I, I was – it's sort of like one of those things that we would never do. But – and maybe this is what it's like for tabloid reporters. But I was highly amused by the story. <laughs> I, I really was. Um, 
So I think you're right that, like you said, why should we care? Yeah. Um, it doesn't reflect on him at all. And it's just sort of sad for yeah. her. Um, but at the same time, is it amusing? Yes. Oh, well, I still don't even care what Chelsea Clinton thinks. And she's an adult. She just happens to be, <laughs> you know, her, her parents, her Bill and Hillary Clinton. Cool. Why, why is she qualified to talk about this stuff? Yeah. This girl is 13 years old. She's in middle school. Like, why should we care what her political points are? I mean, are? And, yeah. and it was really obvious that she struggles mm. with her position mm-hmm. in life. Um, and what 13-year-old girl right, wouldn't in that right, position? Totally. And it, I mean, she's it's like classic rebellion case. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I could see myself probably doing the same exact things. I totally rebelled. Mm. Um, God forbid my parents were, you know... Oh, my gosh. If they had been (laughs) any sort of public figure, I would have mortified them, (laughs) mortified them. Um, I don't know. I could see you being the third Bush twin. Yeah. (laughs) Growing up. No, no, not at all. Not at all. I cannot see that. No, no. As a matter of fact, I went through a gothic phase when I was was in my early teens. Yeah, I was really... Going through something as all thirteen, so through had, sixteen like, year old girls are. The black are. nail polish. Oh yeah, and, my okay. mom. My mom was furious. I dyed my hair black. <laughs> um, so I, I felt for her. I know that this must feel earth shattering mm-hmm. to her. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a big deal for a young thirteen year old to suddenly be cast into the media spotlight. So can we quickly talk about though that? His staff was able to Photoshop her shirt. Did you see that? No. Okay. So family Christmas card went out. Mm. And she, in the family Christmas card, was wearing a crop top, Mm -hmm. which must have been an epic battle between the mom and – I mean, I can't even imagine what that was like. (laughs) And somehow his brilliant staff was able to, like, Photoshop – the second half of this cable knit <laughs> crop top onto her. We need to create an app that does that. Yes. <laughs> That's well, all, all crop tops should be photoshopped into regular shirts. I'm, I'm totally ready for crop tops to be gone. But how did they do that? And, like, they even showed her – she took a selfie on TikTok to prove. Like, she showed them, look, here is our Christmas card uh-huh. and here is the shirt that I'm wearing. And you could see that they were the same shirt. It just was – Photoshop that. Wow. Well, and it always backfires because when I was probably about her age, I really wanted to wear my studded belt in our church family photos. Mm-hmm. Remember those were really cool? Mm-hmm. You got yes. them all. Uh, and it was missing one stud because, of course, like, who, who cares? You're missing a stud. It's cool. Yeah. That photo still hangs at my grandparents' house, and it drives me absolutely <laughs> crazy. So seven, I'm very glad because 17 years later, she could be looking at this photo being like, why, why what was I, I just, thinking? Just put just the rest of the shirt. <laughs> yes. She'll be calling those staff members. Thank you for Photoshop. Right? <laughs> well, and the funny story is, too, so I could totally relate to her. When I was a sophomore, junior in high school, my, my mom was always really conservative. We had to, like, hold George Bush on the side of the road and, like, wave to people. Like, a George Bush cutoff. <laughs> not, like, not like I wasn't he got holding George. George Bush. <laughs> I have one of Reagan. Yeah. I, oh, well, that's great. So I ran for treasurer of the Democrats Club, and I won. So I was a young Democrat throughout high school. Just to stick it Just to, mom. like, stick it to my mom. And then of I went course. to college, and then I, you know, was like, oh, this is stupid. I'm not a Democrat. <laughs> and then I realized, you know, kind of 
found my way back to conservatism. But I mean, again, it goes back to like, who cares what she thinks? There's so many things going on in a 13 year old's head. Who knows the research that she's done into her political beliefs? So while I, I kind of agree it's free game, she put it on TikTok. She's 13 years old, which on the internet is like old enough to broadcast. But it, it it's more embarrassing for the Dallas publication to put it out because mm-hmm. you, you literally are putting stock in a 13-year-old girl. Yeah. Like you can do it, but like why? Right. Yeah. No. It doesn't look good. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, since Michelle is here, we have one more story that we have to hit. So, Michelle, I think that the last time we had you on the podcast, we talked about The Bachelor. Um, Full disclosure, Lauren and I really don't watch The Bachelor. I've seen like a handful of episodes over however many years it's been on air. Um, But, Michelle, you are a loyal and faithful viewer of The Bachelor. (laughs) And uh, your your beloved show just had some really big news this week. You have a new host, Jesse Palmer. I like it. It's hers. (laughs) Yes, I'll take it. (laughs) In this room, this show is Michelle's. (laughs) Although I do have to say they have become increasingly woke. Mm -hmm. And I have been less of a fan since that has started, sort of with the departure of Chris Harrison. Um, I haven't loved the direction of the show. So... I didn't finish the last Bachelorette season mm-hmm. with Michelle. She even had your name. I know. <laughs> I know. I do like Bachelor in Paradise. Mm. <laughs> but um, there's been some changes. We'll see. We'll see if I remain faithful. Yeah. So who who is this guy, the new host, Jesse Palmer? What do we need to know about So him? he's a former Bachelor. Okay. And I will age myself, but I did watch his season. Do I remember the details? No. That was, that was like, a really long was time ago. 2004 that he yeah. was on? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Throwing up a day. <laughs> That's <laughs> okay. About you. That's okay. Yeah. You were um, only like 12 at the time, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was watching it. My mom didn't know. Um, but he also is a former football player, right, Lauren? Yeah. So I was excited when I saw this because I was like, I totally know who he was. Because he was quarterback for the University of Florida. Yeah. So that's pretty much all I know about him. And <laughs> he's then, very handsome. He's mm-hmm. he's very handsome. I know him mainly because he is the host of a holiday baking show on the Food mm. Network that I really, really like. And it's funny because, like, all the, the mom bakers <laughs> always love him <laughs> and, like, oh, are like, don't tell my husband, like, in their little <laughs> testimonials <laughs> on the – yeah, yeah. People are de- – we're definitely in him. But – He's aged quite a bit, and I feel like maybe he's maybe put on a few pounds, too. He looks a little Aww. different. <laughs> he looks like—I mean, he's newly married, so maybe, yeah. you know, he's just getting comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I, don't most people gain a few pounds yes. their first year of marriage? So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought he did—I thought he did a good job. I think the first, the first, like, 15 minutes of the show, I wasn't sold. Wait, so new episodes have come out? Yeah, there's so, one. Okay. Just one. And we should clarify that the woman that he's married to now is not the woman no. that he left Aww. The Bachelor with. That only yeah, lasted, I think, like four months. Yeah. Um, mm. And then they ended up breaking up. But apparently they still have a good relationship. I don't know. They're um, friends, yes, yeah, they're supposedly. Friends. But, yeah, now he, he was just married in 2021. Yep. He seemed slightly rehearsed. Like when he's speaking to the camera mm. and he's doing his Chris Harrison thing, it's not as natural. Mm. But when he's talking to the new bachelor, Clayton, he seems totally comfortable and in his element. Okay. So I think it's just going to take some adjusting and getting used to. Um, I will say, though, I think that the the hosts so far that have stepped in for Chris Harrison have proved 
that Chris Harrison didn't really have that difficult of a job. Oh, is that a read line? Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's not. I don't think anyone's been like, man, this is just not the same. Um, it, he didn't make the show as much as I think some people might have thought. Aww. So Jesse Palmer's called football games live, right? So yeah. he's at the 10, he's at the 20. Well, I guess he's at the 20, he's at the 10. <laughs> <laughs> Why doesn't he call The Bachelor live? <laughs> he should. <laughs> She's walking up to him. He's looking. He'd be, She's he, looking maybe he'd be better be at that. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Parody. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or he should like come up with um, like betting. Yeah. Oh, sports betting, but yeah. for The Bachelor? Oh, yeah. gosh. Oh, Michelle, this might be a... It could be a thing. Yeah, this that might be... would be popular. It may get a little messy. It would be popular, <laughs> I bet. So you guys didn't watch the episode? No. 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 Full confession. Nope. I guess oh, I should. No. I just... Yeah, I remember we talked about this last time. I, I just have never gotten into it. Yeah. I don't know. There's something just that is, feels a little weird to me about, like, watching people on screen try yeah. to fall in love. I think it's the fact that it's one guy and, like, 30 girls. Like, I like reality shows when they're, like, trying to, you know, it's, like, 10 and 10. Yeah. Or even when it's, like, 11 and 10 and they're trying to figure out, like, who the odd man out is. Yeah. It feels a little like an old harem. <laughs> well, like, the big news hook has been that he, two women, first off on Clayton's season, mm-hmm. were not into him. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. there was one girl who decided to leave before she even met him. Um, but then she was like, I'm just going to go chat with him really quick before I leave. And he asked her to stay and was like, please stay, and offered her a rose and was like, I think we have a connection. And she was like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good on her. And then there was another girl who had a little bit too much to drink. Oh, no. And um, after having had a conversation with him, was just like, yeah, he's he's not for me. I did not feel the vibe. She definitely was a little uh, harsh about it. I think one line she was like, I hate him. Oh, <laughs> wow. wow. Um, but – yeah, he had to let her go, too, because it was embarrassing. The girls were, like, telling him, you should probably talk to this girl. <laughs> um, so that's got to be a little embarrassing Well, at least you know they're there for the right reasons, though. True. They're not just there to be on TV. Yeah. 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 No, it's like if, if you know it's not going to work, go mm-hmm. ahead and pack your bags. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, Michelle, we appreciate your expertise. In Anytime. joining us today. Thank you so much, and we look forward to having you back soon. Thanks for having me. All right. Now stay tuned, because up next, we crown our Problematic Woman of the Week. It's easy to get overwhelmed by the 24-7 news cycle. So if you're looking for a way to keep up with the news that matters, the Daily Signal podcast brings you the top news of the day. Hosts Doug Blair, Rob Bluey, and me, Virginia Allen, bring you headlines and interviews with lawmakers, authors, and conservative activists. If you're a conservative who wants to be on top of the news, check out the Daily Signal podcast available every weekday morning. Now, it is that time once again, my favorite time of the week, time to crown our problematic woman of the week. And the crown goes to Bethany Mandel. Friend of the show, Bethany Mandel, is a mother, the writer, and a board member of a new kids book series, The Heroes of Liberty. The books tell the stories of great Americans like Ronald Reagan, Thomas Sowell, and Amy Coney Barrett. Recently, Facebook permanently locked the Heroes of Liberty ads account. The group appealed, and Facebook responded by saying they were permanently locking the account. The media got involved, and Facebook reversed course, reinstating the account and saying the suspension was an error, but 
It's always an error, Virginia. Yeah, I know. They always throw that out like, oh, sorry. No, we made a mistake. Mm, Mistakes all seem to be a little (laughs) one-sided. Also, they're kids' books. Like, Yeah. No, I mean it's – like they they never really produced any sort of sound like this is the reason it was just you know they throw out some language about how this isn't up to our standards or or whatever um really really happy for all of the folks over there uh, for Bethany Mandel and everyone that works with her that these books have been reinstated she did such a great job editing them um they're beautiful beautiful books i think they're going I, I don't know for sure but i assume that they'll keep producing more and more of these cuz um obviously they're popular and if anything facebook has uh, driven a lot yeah. of traffic to these 100 percent. i love when this happens the facebook's like oh we'll get them they won't be able to run ads mm-hmm. and then it blows up and the, she couldn't have paid for this oh yeah you know, publicity being on fox news and yeah no yeah good on her bethany congratulations for being yeah. problematic woman of the week very well deserved and we're going to leave it there. That's going to be it for this week's edition of Problematic Women. Join us on Tuesday for our uh, interview edition of Problematic Women. And then, of course, once again, next Thursday, Lauren and I will be back with more uh, big discussion issues that y'all need to know about. Conservatives need your support in the podcast world, and we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on Spotify, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. It really does make a difference. Have a great week, and we will see you all next week. Problematic Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is a product of The Daily Signal, produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. Special thanks to our editor-in-chief, Katrina Trinko. We produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree Payton.